Good morning to you. <clears throat> Can I offer my welcome to you? My name's Martin. I have the privilege of leading the team here at Woodside. It's, oh man, it's great to gather. It's great to gather, isn't it, to celebrate uh, Josh's baptism. God is really on you, Josh. Yes. He's not listening to me. <laughs> this is the way to do it, isn't it? Josh, is, God is really on you, my friend. I'm so excited of your story and your honesty. Even your honesty when you said church, football, it's a tough call, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> but to hear your story, to see where you are today, we are thrilled for you. Uh, as we are with the others that will be baptizing in the next meeting, uh, it's great to see God's hand on someone's life. Uh, my name's Martin, as I've said, I'm married to Dawn, and uh, we have two grown up daughters. Rebecca and Esther, in fact, our youngest, Rebecca, is going to be with us in the second service, which is nice. She's up from London. And we, we've grown up in Bedford. Bedford is a hometown, although we moved away for a period of time to St. Nitz. Then we came back home, and uh, we are thrilled to be involved in God's work here. Uh, in fact, what I'd like to talk to you today is about coming home. Yes. Didn't take long for us to get there, did it? Coming home. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for Wednesday night, maybe. Uh, I wrote this sermon, actually, on Wednesday. I was full of faith. I was full of confidence. I thought, Harry Kane, you can do it. Uh, but it wasn't to be. Well, so football isn't coming home, but the football team that we support is coming home. Uh, and uh, you can't talk about coming home without thinking of what might have been. So I'm still at that place, if I'm honest. Uh, and maybe hearing this just one more time. It's coming home, it's coming home, football's coming home. Just, just breathe in, breathe in. It's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming, football's coming home. It's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming home. Okay, 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 that's enough. That's enough. Thank you. Just imagine if we'd got to the final and I'd played that. I mean, I'd lost you all, wouldn't I? That would have been, that would have been the end of my sermon. I want to talk about coming home. I want to talk about home, actually. In fact, that song is remarkable. It's written from the perspective of the supporter. Uh, if, if you're familiar with it, I'm sure most of us are. Uh, that sense of it, it could be, and all the, all the journeys and all the frustrations and all the pain that the English supporter has been through over decades, and thinking, oh, maybe this time. But you know, home is, is such a significant thing to us all, from a personal level. See, home is a place where things feel very familiar. And you know, home at its best is a safe place. It's a place to know and it's a place to be known. It's a place of acceptance, and it's a place of family. In fact, Dawn and I, my wife and I, we were away uh, just this past, or the other week, just two weeks ago, we were away for, for, for a holiday, and I, I was looking forward to coming home. Now, it was the Saturday when England were playing, and so confess, I was trying to get home for that. But you know, when I've had a nice holiday, I'm ready to come home. There's something wonderful about home when it's at its best. Now, our focus this morning is about two groups of people. And both of these groups of people are alienated from God. They're, they're separated from God. They're struggling, or, or some struggling more than others, to find their way 
home, find their way back to God. Some are clearly running away from God. They're lost. They are far from home. Others are trying to find home, but maybe not trying to find home with God in the best way. Now, if you've been around Woodside for a while, you'll be familiar that we're looking through one of the, the Gospels, one of the, the books in the Bible which describes the story of Jesus. Uh, it's written by a man called Luke. And we see in this account that we're going to refer to how Luke describes a moment when Jesus gathered a crowd of people. And this crowd of people had two types of people in it. There were, there were the one group were the cheats. And the sinners, as it was described, there was prostitutes there. There were people making, making decisions and, 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 and living what we could call wild living. There's that group of people. The other group of people are the leaders of the day. And they were trying to be upstanding, but actually, sadly, they ended up in the main point being self-righteous, They were critical of others. You've got these two groups of people. You couldn't get two groups of people more different. It would be like, I don't know, this is, I'm going to lose you now. It would be like Remainers and Leavers. Yeah, you see, I knew that would be dangerous. Never talk about politics or religion. Okay, we've got a problem there. Okay, so never talk about politics. So, you know, just imagine the difference in this group. So so Jesus is, is gathering this crowd of people, and you've got these two very distinct groups around him. You've got the cheats, the prostitutes, the sinners, and you've got the religious people that actually the truth is that their lives were pretty hypocritical. And so both of them were alienated from God. And Jesus seeks to find a way to communicate to those two groups of people how people come home to him, how people come home to God. And so what Jesus does is he tells what we're known as parables, which are stories, not true stories, they're stories that have a moral and a message. And so Jesus actually tells three parables to this crowd. And the first one is about someone who loses some money, loses a lost coin, loses a coin. And the next one is someone, a shepherd, who loses a sheep. And you, he describes how the person who loses the coin searches and hunts for the lost coin. And then the shepherd is someone who has a hundred sheep and he loses just one of his sheep and he leaves the 99 and goes searching and hunting for the one that he lost. And then after telling those two stories, Jesus told the final parable, which often, if you've been around church for a while, which some of you obviously have, we often call the prodigal son. But actually this is about Two sons. So Jesus tells his crowd about two sons. And he wants to explain that these two sons represent the two groups of people in the crowd before him. And how both of them are alienated from God. Both of them are far from home. Yet he's going to explain how they get home. So the, uh, the words from Luke will go on the screen Let's just unpack this together. Luke 15 says this. There was a man who had two sons. Now I have to pause there. So these are brothers. I am someone who has a brother, an older brother, 
sometimes quite an annoying older brother. Uh, so Steve and I, we've grown up, he's, I've known him, he's known me all my life? No, uh, yeah, he's known me all my life. Uh, and uh, we compete over everything. We actually had some time away when I said I was away from holiday. Some of that was with my brother and my family. And we compete against everything. Uh, and so uh, we are at the age now that the type of games that we compete at are card games. So we play some cribbage and some solo if it's a whist game. And booze. Do you know booze? That's the only You know when you do this? I'll have you know it's called booze. <laughs> okay, who, just, I mean, quick server, who pronounces this bowls? There's a third way. Patonk. Thank you. Save me. So we have two sons, two brothers. Now, we don't know what the relationship is like with these two brothers, but you get the feeling it's not too great as the story unfolds. And Jesus is going to describe a relationship between a father and these two brothers, these two sons. Let's carry on. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now we have to pause there. Remember, this is Jesus telling a story to a crowd. Now when the crowd would have heard this, they would have been aghast. Now, many of us in this room are English and polite and reserved, unless we're watching a football match. But this crowd would have reacted. He said, what? To say that you, I want you to give me my half of, of inheritance is like saying, Father, I wish you were dead. That was the moment. And so can you imagine the aghast, the, this Eastern crowd that was before them would have been verbal they would have said you gotta be kidding and what would have been normal is that a typical traditional middle eastern father would have driven his son out but that's not what happens so let's continue not long after that the younger son got together all that he had all that he'd been given from his father and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. At this moment, the crowd would have gone. Turn to your neighbor and go. We're getting there, aren't we? You know, this, there was so much interaction in this, in this moment. How awful. And then it continues. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. See, the son spends all of the money and discovers that choices also bring consequences. Then it continues. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his 
father. He comes to his senses. There's a moment, isn't there, when we make decisions, whatever it might be, whatever the context, and suddenly we think, hang on a minute, that isn't the right choice. Or the outcome isn't quite what we had anticipated. As I was preparing this week, I came across a couple of amazing quotes for some people that probably most of us, if not all of us, would know. So Russell Brand writes this, Drugs and alcohol are not my problem. Reality is my problem. Drugs and alcohol are my solution to fill up a hole inside me. Jim Carrey wrote this, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything that they've ever dreamed of so they would know that it's not the answer. See, some of those things are not bad. You know, to be rich and famous is not a bad thing. But actually, if that's the ultimate thing, then there's a, there's a deep problem. You see, we all have this longing to come home, but we all search in all sorts of places. And now there's a dramatic third scene. It says this, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Amazing. Okay. This is an amazing scene. Okay, this is probably going to... Tim, you're going to love me for this. Okay, so I'm the father. Okay, over there is my son. It happens to be Dave. Dave, wave Dave. Dave didn't know he was going to be the son this morning. He just, just said so. So at the moment, you need to feel real compassion for Dave. Okay, I'm the father... This is the story that Jesus is describing. There's a crowd watching, and they're, they're on the edge of their seats. And suddenly, the father sees the son, and he runs. I'm going to have to run now. Okay. I wish I was fitter to do this. Okay, okay. And he runs, and he finds his son, and he grabs his son. Oh, it's great. Okay. Now, his son, is, he's rehearsed the speech. He says, look, I've sinned against you, Father. I've done this, I've done that. But actually, he doesn't have a chance to get his words out. He doesn't have a chance to say, look, I want to change my life. I want to do this. The Father accepts him just as he is. In fact, what he does, and we can read it, he, he, he puts a ring on his finger. These are all culturally significant things. I'm out of breath. <laughs> puts a ring on his finger. He puts a robe around him. And he calls to his servants. He says, look, we need to celebrate this. My son has come home. I mean, well, Jesus is describing what God is like and what God would do, even in front of people that many I don't know. Let's read some of that. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to celebrate. Incredible. Jesus has the father pouncing on the son. Jesus has the father running to the Son. God's love and forgiveness 
can pardon and restore any and every kind of sin and wrongdoing. That's the point Jesus is trying to make. It doesn't matter who you are, but it doesn't matter what you've done. But you see, there's more. There's an older son. What happened to the older son? Jesus continued to tell the story. Meanwhile, the older son was in a field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come, he replied. And your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother rejoiced and was pleased that his younger son had returned home. Isn't that what it says? No? Oh man, the older brother, just these are brothers. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. He refused to welcome his brother. He refused to join this biggest, probably the biggest public event his father had ever put on. See, the older brother saying, I've worked myself to death for you, father. I've worked hard. I've earned what I've got. But my brother, he's done nothing for you. Yet you lavish all this on him for nothing. He's saying, where's the justice in that? I get that. In fact, I identify more with the older brother personally than I do with the younger brother. That sense of, where's the justice in that? I've never disobeyed you. I have my rights He deserves nothing. So how would the father respond to that? This is what happens. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitute comes home, You kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. At this moment, Jesus is telling the crowd and they would have been on the edge of their seats. So please, lean forward on the edge of your seats. Because this is a cliffhanger. What's going to happen? Will the family finally be united in love and unity? Will the brothers be reconciled? Will the elder brother be softened by this remarkable offer and be reconciled with his father? And just as all the thoughts are going through the minds of the crowd that Jesus is talking to and through ours as well, The story ends. We never find out. Jesus doesn't tell us what happens next. Does this story have no end? No. The end of this story is played out every time this story is read. That's why Jesus told it the way he did. That's why he took us to a cliffhanger. It's like those movies that you watch. That for, it, this isn't obviously what happened, but it's like, you know those movies you watch and, and, and it doesn't quite finish? Or all the, all the lines aren't neat and tidy? And I think, why did they do it like that? 
I want to know if she married him and they did that and they did that. It's like one of those moments. But what Jesus wanted to happen is that we finish the story. We become the next chapter. So the final scene is now. Didn't know you were going to be in the story, did you? But that's what was planned. So let's look at what the final scene might look like for us. The first thought is this in this final scene. We need to recognize that each brother represents a different way that people can be alienated from God. But God's desire is that we all find our way home. So maybe you identify with the younger brother this morning. God wants you to know that he's running towards you right now. He wants you to know that he loves you. He forgives you. He can cleanse you from what you've done, but also what others have done to you. He accepts you just as you are. He died that you can be forgiven and have new life and come home. That's for the younger brothers. What about the older brothers? See, there's a father pleading with older brothers that they would not try and earn their salvation to do all the good things they can think of as a way of making them acceptable to God. I remember a good friend of mine called Phil, Phil Cullimore, actually. He wouldn't mind me mentioning his name. I used to work with Phil. And I remember him asking me many questions about my faith. And he was very open to God. I prayed with him a number of times. And then there came a moment when he said to me, he said, you know, Martin, my goal is to live the best life I can And I hope that's good enough when I meet God. I'm thinking, no, that's not, that's not going to be good enough, Jesus teaches. In both of these situations, we see that God takes the initiative. God runs to the son and pleads to the other. Next we see as we unfold this chapter, this final scene, someone is supposed to go looking for what is lost. See, Jesus told a parable about a lost coin and a parable about a lost sheep and then talked about a parable of two lost sons. But in the final one, which didn't have an end, no one went looking for the younger son. Someone went looking for the coin. Someone went looking for the lost sheep. But no one went looking for the lost son. Why didn't the older brother say, Father, I will go and I'll find out my brother. I'll find your youngest. And I will encourage him. I will plead with him to come home. See, no one went to, go to, to find the younger son. And we're supposed to recognize that. As we work out this, this final scene, we're supposed to see that it's our role. We're part of this story of going and finding and seeking the lost. Those who are far from home. But also this scene tells us something else probably more important. And that's that there is a real older brother. See, in this crowd, we can say there's two types of people. There's the sinners and and those who are in wild living and have gone that direction. And you've got others which are trying to live godly life, but actually that's not the way to get home neither. You've got these two groups of people, but the fact is there's actually three Groups of people. 
Because there's the one who's telling the story, Jesus. Because actually Jesus is, if you like, the real older brother. Because he's the one that came to seek and save those who were lost. He's the one who came to take people home. We've heard, all of us would have heard this, I'm sure. A remarkable story in Thailand, I think it is, where those young lads and their coach got stuck in that cave system. Probably most of us in this room wondered if there really is any hope of them coming out alive. And then remarkably and wonderfully, and through the bravery and the skill, and I believe God's involvement, those young lads and their coach were rescued. But have you heard some of the stories from the divers? They've talked of tying, tethering the lads to a diver. Even one of the divers said they actually strapped one of the lads to the diver. And as he swam, he was, he was a, a, a strapped to him. Do you know, it's a wonderful picture of what Jesus has done for us. You see, we are, we're like strapped to him. If we place our trust in him, we become tethered. We become strapped to him. So as, as Jesus emerges with life, we emerge with new life. As Jesus defeats sin and death, we defeat sin and death. As Jesus is risen to the life, we find that we are given new life with hope and a certainty and his power and his presence amongst us. We then find our way home. So, let's bring this together. Where do we go from here? How do you, how do you get home? And probably for many of you, it, it's different. It's different next step, depending on where you find yourself on, your life, on life's journey. The first would be this. I just have three. The first would be this. For some of you, you need to return home to God. And what I mean by that is actually, home has always been with God. Because I believe God created you. The Bible describes that he actually knit you together in, his, in your mother's womb. The Bible also says that we're made in the image of God. So actually, I think there's some here that, that actually, the, the, the next step is returning home to God. Do you know, one of my daughters, uh, in fact, I think I brought it with me. One of my daughters gave us this a few years ago. It says, home, and it says, home is where your story begins. All of our stories began with God. We were created in his image. He started, he initiated something. And I think for some, it's about returning home. I'll put that there. Secondly, I think there's those that you know you need to be baptized. You know God, you know he loves you, and the Bible's very clear. It just says, if you love and trust Jesus, you need to be baptized. As you have faith, you then work out that faith, and your first step of obedience is to be baptized. Maybe for some of you, you need to consider that. And if those two areas are for you today, then after the service, as we break for tea and coffee, I'd encourage you to come Come to where the sign is. There'll be some folks who happily pray with you, talk with you, help you in your next step.
But I realize on a morning like this, there'd be others that actually this is like, wow, I've never been in this context before. I'm hearing things that I've got, I've got, I'm intrigued. I've got questions, but I'm intrigued. You may be saying, is there more to life than this? You may be asking that question. Well, I'd like to talk to you about an Alpha course, which is designed for people who are asking questions. And we've uh, ran the Alpha course here over many years. It's a fantastic tool, really helpful, great environment for people to ask their questions. Uh, we would gladly uh, organize for you to go on an Alpha course uh, if you would like to do so. And so at the end of the service, as tea and coffee served into the small hall, you'll find an area where you can sign up, uh, give us your details, and we can then follow you up and organize that for you. It is a great next step if you're asking many questions. So to close, Jesus is calling all of mankind home. He said that I am the bread of life. That means that he has everything that we need for life. Everything that we're longing for is found in him. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this remarkable story that you told many thousands of years ago. We thank you that we find that the questions that they were asking are the questions that we're still asking today. And Lord God, I, I pray, would you help us to, write, to make the next step, the appropriate next step for us? Whether it's saying yes to coming home, whether it's saying yes to being baptized, whether it's saying yes to an Alpha course or something else. Lord, I pray, would you help us do that? Help us find out more and more about you, more the life that you promised. Lord Jesus, we want to know that. We don't want to miss out on all that you have for us. We ask this in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for listening so intently. Dave, thank you for being my son for a moment. You can kiss me later if you want. I don't know. But God bless you all. Thank you so much for coming. As I said, come here if you would like to talk about the first two things. Alpha course in the small hall. Tin coffee will be served. God bless you. See you next time. Thank you.